Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. All right, look at somebody, give them a high five, tell them you're the best looking thing I've seen today. Then I want you to give Jesus, listen, listen, listen. I don't know where you got the song beautiful, but I'm going to tell you something. You, you can't really know, really sing that song till you know he's beautiful in the sunshine and he's beautiful in the rain. He's beautiful when you have plenty. He's beautiful when you have nothing. He's beautiful in his joy. He's beautiful in your tears. Come on, somebody. He's beautiful on the mountaintop, but he's also beautiful in the valley. He's beautiful when everything is going good, and he's beautiful when all hell is breaking loose. He is beautiful. Come on, lift your voice. Give him a shout of praise, and let him know that you love him in this house. Amen. And listen, listen, listen. He's going to be watching, so I want you to get ready. You know you should never honor somebody like me more than you do your own pastors. I'm celebrating what's happening today. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, we say he's going to come back different. God has been doing something ever since Pastor Larry became bishop. Come on, everybody. He's walking in a new anointing and a new authority. And I believe this is just putting the crown of that, the crown of favor on what God has already been doing. So I want you to stand to your feet. They're going to watch this. And I want you to honor your pastors, Pastor Larry and Sandy Raglan. Will you do that? We honor you, Bishop. We thank God. We just believe God's doing something right now. Mighty in Orlando, Florida. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. As always, I'm glad to have my better half here. She's the, she's the cheese on my nachos, the cherry on my Sunday. Come on, everybody. Uh, I want you to honor her. Stand up, baby. Laura Powell, my, my baby doll. Amen. Then I'm glad, always glad to be at SRC. And I've got some friends with me here today. Uh, Pastor Allen and Tricia and their son Harley. Y'all guys stand up. Come all the way from Corner Bagley, Alabama. Come on, somebody, to be with us today. Praise God. Man, man, man. Wasn't the worship awesome this morning? Praise God. You know, we made a confession just now. I'm ready to be changed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You, you better be careful when you make bold confessions. But I really sense in my spirit today. In fact, it was Tuesday morning. I was walking and praying for this service and praying for you. I may not have never met you. I may not have seen you by face or know you by name. But I was praying for every person that was going to be sitting in these seats this morning. Every person that would be viewing online. However, on YouTube or Facebook or however you're going to see this message this morning. And I believe the Spirit of God began to speak to me very specifically. So I want, you, I want you to look at somebody and say, you better get ready to be radically changed. Yesterday, my, my wife did something. Really, it began two, three, four weeks ago. She just, she just kind of wrapped it up yesterday. And she does this ever so often. I don't know, every year or two years she'll, she'll do this. During, during the, the seasons, 
She will, she will have clothes that somebody gives her, clothes she finds, you know, on sale, in a yard sale, somewhere else on a sale or something she's ordered. And, and, and the seasons change. And, you know, ladies, they wear something different every season. Come on, guys, I need an amen. If you got any guts at all, you'll amen me. Come on. And, uh, and, 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 you know, they collect those clothes and, and some's got to go in the back, back closet and some's got to be brought out and some's got to be thrown away and, and some's got to be given away. Some's got to be given to people you know. Some's got to be given to goodwill. Come on, everybody. Some's going to be sold on Facebook. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So over the last three or four weeks, piles have been happening all over my house, you know. And yesterday she wrapped all of that up. Clothes that's too, too big for her. Clothes that's too small for her. Clothes that she once would have wore that she will never wear again because that style will never fit her again. Clothes that somebody gave to her that, that she only took them because she knew she had to take them in order to get the others she was being given. Come on somebody. But she knew when she took them she wasn't going to wear them. Because they didn't fit who she is. They don't fit her personality. You see, guys, we just get up in the morning and put on clothes. But no, 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 no. A woman, a woman puts on her, her feelings and her personality and her self-esteem every morning. Come on, somebody. And so yesterday she cleaned all of them piles out finally. They all got sent to where they're going or ready to go with her. And she's got everything organized for, for summer. Come on, everybody. And I believe what God wants to do today is he wants to take some things out of your life that has accumulated. People gave them to you. People put them on you. They're from your history, but they will never fit your destiny. And as long as you wear in your history, it will keep you from your destiny. There's, there's two verses in the Bible. In the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, and Chronicles is literally that. It just chronicles genealogies and people and, and families and things that happened. And suddenly in chapter number 4 of 1 Chronicles, verse number 9, a verse of scripture comes up. There's only two verses about this man. We'll get to the second one in a minute. And, and, and it brings up a man's name. We, we don't know anything about this man. We don't know who his parents were. We know he's got a mama. We know he had to have a daddy. Come on, somebody. We know he's got brothers. We don't know where in line he falls. We don't know where he lived. We don't know who, 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 his, who his ancestry was. We don't know what he did for a living. We know very little about him. But the Bible opens up with this phrase, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And, and let me just stop for a minute because that word honorable means two different things. It has a good meaning, but it also has a bad meaning. 
Because this word means, it means heavy. And, and in a good sense, it means dignity. But in a bad sense, it means burdensome. And you could read that sense, especially at the beginning of this verse. You could say that Jabez was more of a burden than his brothers. More than a blessing, he was a burden. Why? Why would I say such a thing? Because the next line says, And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. Now you have to understand what his name meant. The name Jabez means to afflict, to trouble, to cause pain. Now, now names, names aren't as clear to us today as they were in Bible days. We, we, we don't understand names. In fact, I research names all the time. I believe your name is tied to your destiny and to your purpose. I don't care who named you or how they told you you were named. God knew your name before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb. And 95% of the people in restaurants, wherever I go... Anytime I meet somebody, there's something about it. I begin researching their name. And if I'm around them long enough, I'm going to ask you, do you know what your name means? 95% of the people that I ask have no clue. They've never even thought about it whatsoever. But in Bible days, your name was who you were. It was your personality. It was your identity. So every time somebody called his name as he was growing up as a little boy, every day of his life when his mother would call his name, when his brothers would call his name, when anybody on the street would see him, they would say, you cause affliction. You cause trouble. You're a loser. You bring pain everywhere you you go and, and this, this causes me to think about people in this room I, I, I'm not preaching to the general public though some may watch I believe it'll be, it'll be by the destiny of God that God will lead them to this message but I'm talking to men and women in this room this morning at this moment what, what would make a mother what, what would make a mother call her son such a name? In, in fact, if you understand Jewish tradition, especially in the Old Testament, that, that, that the father was the one that gave the baby a name. And you can read that throughout the Bible. When Zechariah says he, was, he couldn't speak and John the Baptist's mother named him and, and they said, wait, you can't name him. There's nobody in your family named John. And they asked the father and he wrote, name him John. And God miraculously opened his mouth because the father was the one to name you. But here the Bible says his mother, his mother named him. And that word name has two meanings. The first meaning of the word name means to mark, to label. In other words, this mother marked her son for life. She marked him for life. She labeled him. You cause me affliction. You cause me trouble. You cause me pain. What, what would make a mother do that? Well, I'll never forget when my firstborn, my son James, was born in a hospital in Columbus, Georgia. 
he was born late in the afternoon, I think around 5 or 5.30 p.m. in the afternoon. And, and, and in those days, it's a lot different. I mean, the baby stayed with you a while, and then they took it to the nursery, and it stayed in the nursery most of that first night back, in, back 36, 37 years ago. And, and I had to go home late that night, and I came back early in the morning before they brought the babies out. And the nurses in those days, they'd bring four or five of those rolling buggies at one time walking down the hallway. You'd hear them coming. And, and I happened to get there while I see the nurse walking with four or five of those buggies. And I get into my wife's room. Now, understand, my son has only been born less than 12 hours, 13 hours, and only been with us for a couple of hours. And I walk in my wife's room, and I kiss her on the cheek, and suddenly we hear a baby cry, and my wife says, That's James. I said, baby, there's five babies out there. I just saw the nurse. She's got five. She said, the one crying is James. I know it's one. And sure enough, that cry got closer and closer until that nurse brought my son into our room. What would make a mother name and mark and label her child? You afflict me. You trouble me. You cause me grief. You cause me pain. I, I, I can't understand that. But as the Spirit of God began to, to deal with my life and, and began to speak to me in my own life and my wife's life. And, and then we pastored for over 35 years and, 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 and I've traveled the world and I've heard story after story. Well, what was it? Where was his father? Where, did he have no father? Did she get pregnant and then the father left her? Left her with another mouth to feed, with another child to raise. And, and every time she could think about him is, you're just causing me pain. You're just adding more of a burden. I already can't feed the boys I've got. Now I've got to feed another mouth because your deadbeat dad walked out on us. Was it, was, it, was it because because maybe her husband abandoned her, divorced her, rejected her, and, and, and because she, she got pregnant again and he couldn't handle the pressure and he blamed her for it. So he rejects her and this baby moving in her belly, this baby being born, this baby that she's now taken care of as a single mama is nothing but pain and trouble and reminds her it's because of you your daddy walked out on. Did he die? Or could it be that he was the result of a rape? And there was no easy abortion in those days. There was no, no way to get rid of it. And she would have to feel the trauma moving in her belly of what someone else took from her and did to her and the pain and the brokenness and the woundedness. And she would have to give birth to it. And not only give birth to it, she would have to feed it and care for it. And every time he cried, she could hear the, the words of that man. She could feel his breath on her. She could, she could feel what had happened to her every time she picked that baby up. 
Was it the result? Was Jabez the result of a one night stand? That she wanted to keep hidden. Because for that she could be stoned to death. But the evidence is undeniable. Now she lives her life in regret. She lives her life in guilt. She lives her life in shame. And she can't get away from it. Because Jabez is the evidence of what she's done. Was she so broken? So wounded? So scarred psychologically, emotionally traumatized, that she would mark her own child. Do you know, you know what the word name also means there in the Hebrew? It means memorial. You know what a memorial is, don't you? It reminds you. So every day, every day, he was a reminder to her of bad affliction, trouble, and pain in her life. Notice this. I want, you, I want you to look at this verse. His mother called. Everybody say called. Come on, everybody say called. It doesn't just mean, hey, hey, Laura, hey, Alan. Uh, it, that, that's not all it means. This word called means to be aggressive. It means to accost. Like attacking somebody. And it leads us to understand. I mean, there's no way, there's no way just the birth, just the, the moment of birth caused her this. No, no, no. It says, because I bear him. Everybody shout bear. Now, see, I, I looked for this. I researched this. In the Hebrew, it's bear. If it had been the word bore, B-O-R-E, it would have only meant the birthing process. But the word bear in the Hebrew means to birth and to bring up. Which means every day of her life, he was a memorial of her own pain, her own trauma, her own, her own sickness, her own pain, her own grief, her own shame, her own guilt, her own regret, her own loss. All, all he memorialized in her life was affliction. So she accosted him every day with the name. You're an afflictor. You're trouble. You're pain. You'll never be anything more than your father was. You, you, I, I, I pray for the woman who marries you because you'll be nothing but pain to her. You'll be nothing but an affliction. I pray that you don't have kids because if you have kids, you'll be nothing but pain and affliction to those kids. And though, though I can't understand it because my mother loves me, my dad loved me, my, my, my mother, my mother still calls me her baby. I'm 62 years old. I'm still a mama's boy. My wife will tell you if you don't believe me. But some of you understand. Some, some of you understand. Because you had a mother or a father. It says, because I bear him with sorrow. Everybody say sorrow. Because let me tell you, this, this word sorrow doesn't only mean physical pain and grief 
It means psychological trauma. It means emotional pain. And it means an idol, I-D-O-L, an idol. I ask God, how, how can that be? It didn't take the Spirit of God long because I've met people like this. I've met people so broken. Maybe, maybe it was mental illness. You know, mental illness isn't anything new. It's just we've got become comfortable talking about it. But it's always been. Bipolar, schizophrenic, depression, anxiety. I, I, I don't know. Maybe she was so mentally broken by what happened in her own life. She couldn't get free from it. She couldn't get rid of it. She couldn't get healed of it. So her son became the object. And the word idol means, means she worshipped in other words, there came a day in her life when she realized this is the only way I'll have any love, any affection, any sympathy. This, this, I, if I got away from it, where would I be? I don't know how to live without pain. I've met people like that. My wife and I pastored this couple and it was years ago and, and the woman was like this. I mean, I mean, you would get around her and and, and bless her heart, I mean, she couldn't have any friends because, because if anybody showed her any attention, she'd call them every day. She'd want to go out to eat every day. And she'd get right in your face when she talked to you. Right? And it was always just sucking the life out of you. Because there's a hole so deep. I'm not condemning. There's a hole so deep. And she's looking for somebody to fill that hole, but nobody can. We saw God do a miracle. We saw God do a miracle in this woman's life. Can't explain it to you. We were in a move of God. I, I, I know that even that is hard for me to explain. You'd have had to be in that season. But we watched God heal this woman mentally and emotionally and psychologically. And her whole personality began to change. She was a joy to be around. She wasn't needy anymore. Just a few months later, her and her husband are in our office, and he's divorcing her. You know why? He said, I don't know how to live with a whole woman. See, some people make an idol out of their pain, out of their need to be needed. And what about this boy? What about this boy? One verse. Being marked every day. No hope. Scarred with insecurity and inferiority. Afraid to hope for anything better because every day he's heard it. Every time somebody calls his name, you're a born loser. I don't want to hope and be disappointed. Anxiety, depression. Listen, listen, I can't even explain it. I grew up in a healthy home. Some bad things happened, but not by my own parents. But at age nine, I tried to take my own life. Can you imagine what this boy? Yeah, some of you can. 
You grew up in a home. You were raised by a broken who couldn't, who, who didn't have emotionally strength, who didn't have the spiritual fortitude, who, who didn't know how to touch God. And their brokenness became your brokenness. Their insecurity became your identity. Their pain became your problem. Their scars scarred you. You hear the song, because of you, I don't tread too far from the sidewalk. And your heart breaks because that's you. I know by the Spirit of God that's people in this room. I don't know who. I don't know how. I don't know what. But your potential, your potential is stifled and smothered by words and labels that were put on your life. Maybe by a school teacher, a principal, a coach, a parent, a grandparent, a spouse. Something happened. This guy so scarred, so broken, so brutalized, so traumatized, so manipulated and controlled by a, a woman's pain that the, that the very next verse says this right here. And I want you to catch it because this is the only other verse about this guy in the whole Bible. Verse number 10, and Jabez, affliction, pain, trouble, called on the God of Israel. He called. I don't know how old he was. I don't know. We don't know when it happened. We don't know how it happened. We don't know why it happened. Was there a rabbi in his life? Was there a grandfather or a grandmother in his life? An, an auntie in his life. I, I don't know. Was there a next door neighbor male that looked and saw this rejected, abused, abandoned little boy and said if somebody don't get in his life, he, he'll never have a chance. I don't know who it was. I don't know how it happened. But somebody told this boy about an answer. It wasn't in a bottle. It wasn't through pills. It wasn't through multiple relationships. He didn't introduce him to a program. He introduced him to a person. Not a God, but the God. Jehovah God. El Shaddai. El, El Saboeth. El Elyon. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shalom. He introduced him to the God of of Israel and something began to happen in this boy even as every day he'd be accosted with accosted with you're an affliction you're pain you've been pain since the day I knew I had you in my belly but he heard about the God of Israel now I don't know what made him call on the God of Israel I don't, know, I don't know if he heard the story about the Israelites down in Egypt for 400 and 
30 years. They were slaves. Granddaddy was a slave. Great granddaddy was a slave. Great, 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 great granddaddy was a slave. But he heard one day how God delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh. And they came out with silver and gold and clothes that didn't wear out and shoes that didn't wear out. Maybe you heard about how God opened the Red Sea. How he opened Jordan River. How the walls of Jericho came down. I don't know, but he heard about a God of power and a God of miracles. Maybe he heard about Moses, who was a murderer and wasted 40 years of his life, but had an encounter with this God of Israel who made a man a God out of a murderer. Maybe he heard about Aaron making the golden calf but while he was making the golden calf God was telling Moses on the mountain he's going to be my first high priest all you see is his problems but I see his potential and his future is greater than his past his history doesn't fit his destiny I'm going to change that man no 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 that's not what he heard that's not what he heard He called on the God of Israel. Do you know who Israel is? Well, I'm not talking about a nation. I'm talking about a man. His name was Jacob. He had been labeled and marked his whole life. His name meant deceiver, trickster. Your granddaddy gave your grandmama away to save his own neck and your daddy did the same thing and boy you won't be any better you'll be worse than your grandfather worse than your father you'll never amount to anything you'll be a liar and a cheat and a deceiver for the rest of your life that's what Jacob meant but he heard he heard that one night Jacob had an encounter with God and you know what? You know what Jacob did? Jacob accosted God. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Everybody shout, bless me. Come on, everybody shout, bless me. God, listen, you're my only hope. You're my only answer. You're my only way to get out of my history into my destiny. And while I got my hand on you, I will not let you go till you change me. Till you change my destiny. Till you change my nature. Till you change my character. Till you get rid of my history and open up for me the door of my destiny. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And now Jabez says God's no respecter of persons if he did it for Jacob he'll do it for Jabez if he did it for others he'll do it for me and the Bible says he called remember what that word called means he accosted God he grabbed a hold of God just like Jacob did and what was the first words out of his mouth put verse 10 back up and Jabez called on the God of Israel and he's saying oh that thou would bless me indeed just like you blessed Jacob I'm believing you're going to bless me in fact the word indeed is the same word bless barak barak it means a double blessing I don't know how many years. I don't know how many people. I don't know how many programs. How many doctors. How many counselors. But I'm telling you there is a God. That has the power. To bless you indeed. I'm talking about to bless you in ways you don't even know you need a blessing. 
See, you've been asking God for something, but that's not what you really need. Even if he answers your prayers, because you're praying for the fruit to be gone in your life. But God's looking at the root of the pain in your life. And God wants to bless you in ways that you don't even know. What God is just waiting on you to do is just say, surprise me, God. I think I know what I want, but you know what I need. Give me what I want to want. Give me what you know I need. God, I will not let you go to you. then he cried watch this double everybody say double I want to give you a couple of scriptures you might want to jot these down right quick it's found in the book of Isaiah chapter 61 instead of shame and dishonor you will enjoy a double share of honor everybody say a double share you will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Where will you enjoy a double portion of prosperity? In your land. In your home. On your job. You ain't got to move neighborhoods. You ain't got to get another family. Come on, somebody. And then the next verse says this right here. I love this verse. Zechariah 9, 12. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. Look what he says next. He says, I promise you, I promise you, I'm going to wait on you. It's worth waiting on that Zechariah 9, 12. I want, us, I want them to see that verse. Zechariah 9, 12. Praise God, do we got it? It says, I promise you this very day. Look at somebody and say, God made a promise. Here it is. I declare that I will render double unto thee. I don't like that translation. I like this translation. He says, I promise you this day, I'll give you double honor for all of your pain. For all of your pain. Not somebody else's pain. I'll give you double honor. And then he said, God, enlarge my coast. Everybody say enlarge my territory. Come on, everybody shout enlarge my territory. You know what he was saying? He was saying, God, I want more responsibility, more influence. Give me what I can handle. You know my potential. Don't give me what everybody else says about me. They don't believe in me. They don't see my potential. They think I'm a nobody. But God, you know who I am. You created me. You know what formed me. You know what my destiny is. I'm asking you, enlarge my territory. And he did. This, this word, Jabez, it is one other place in the Bible. It's not him, but it's a city called Jabez. And scholars believed Jabez named the city after him because he became more honorable than his brothers and God began to bless him and enlarge his territory. Don't you think you can't own your own business? Don't you think you can't break debt out of your life? Come on, don't you think that you can't have a happy marriage? Don't you think you can't have a holy family? Don't you think you can't break the curses that's been pronounced over your life? No, God sent me here to declare to you, if you will just call on the God of Israel. And then he said this. He said that, that you would place your hand on me. Everybody take your hand right this and just put, do it like this. The hand of God. Do you know what that is? That's the Spirit of God. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit was called the hand of God. 
I'm going to give you something here today. I'm going to give you something. Listen, you need this. If you didn't hear nothing else I said up until this point, listen to this. Because you need to to cry this cry every day of your life. God put your hand on me today. In other words, I don't care how much I showed about on Sunday morning down at SRC. It's Monday, and I need the hand of God on me on Monday, just like I had on Sunday. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. God, I need you to fill me, Holy Spirit, today. Fill me. I don't want to go to work without your power. I don't want to go to school without your power. I don't want to mow the grass without your power. I need the power of the Spirit of God to live out what I can never live in my own strength. No, what you have planned for me is greater than my intellect, greater than my knowledge, greater than my education, greater than my experience, greater than my skills, greater than my talents. I need the hand of God on my life. The hand of God. I've got two mantras. Some of you have heard them before, but there's new people here. You need to grab these. You need to, you need to get your phone out and write them down right now. You need to write on a piece of paper right now. Every day of my life when, I, when I'm in my office doing my devotions every morning, I, 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 this is my mantra. I say, Holy Spirit, if you don't, I can't. Come on, I want everybody to say that with me right now. Holy Spirit, if you don't, I can't. Say it one more time. Holy Spirit, if you don't, I can't. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not uh, experienced enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not witty enough. No, I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Look at somebody and say, you need help. And he is the helper. He's the helper. He's the helper. Here's another mantra I say. Holy Spirit, come lift me out of myself into that other self that's greater than myself. Come on, say it with me. Holy Spirit, come lift me out of myself into that other self that's greater than myself. Come on, you're getting the hang of it. Holy Spirit, lift me out of myself into that other self that's greater than myself. This is what I say. I say, I'm just a costume. Do y'all know what a costume is? I bet you got some costumes in your children's ministry. They just lie lifeless on the floor or hang on a nail on the wall. A costume can't do anything until a body gets inside of that costume. You might see a gorilla running around here waving and laughing and jumping. It ain't that gorilla. It's the body inside that gorilla. Come on, somebody. I just say, Holy Spirit, I'm just a costume. Get inside of me. Walk where you want me to go. Talk through me what God wants me to say. Use me today, Holy Spirit. I got a lot of gloves. I wear a lot of gloves when I'm at home working outside. And a lot of times when I'm working, I say, Holy Spirit. See these gloves? These gloves can't do anything until I put my hands in them. I'm telling you today, I can't do anything until you put your power inside of me. There's greater things. And we're living in the day of greater things. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you, read it with me, read it with me, read it with me. But you, who is the you he's talking to? 
Who's the you he's talking to? But you, not the preacher, not the worship team, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be. You know what another word for be is? Become. You'll become everything God intended. I don't care what your daddy planned. I don't care what your mother said. I don't care who marked you. I don't care who labeled you. I don't care what they said about you. God created you. He knew you before you ever left your mother's womb. And you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will become everything God intended you to be. You will be. I tell this story. I have to be careful how I tell it, but I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm an old guy, 62. I'm not old as some of you, but I mean I'm older. I don't have the energy and the strength I once had. I can't do some of the things I used to do. One of them is I, I can't pick my wife up in my arms and dance around anymore. I can't do that. I, I, I can't hardly dance me around anymore. But we got a swimming pool in our backyard. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like she doesn't like the water, but every now and then I can convince her to get in that pool on the shallow end. And when she gets down in that pool with me, I pick her up. And I do this right here. Because there's something in that water called buoyancy. Now let me ask you a question. Is the water picking her up, moving her around, or am I picking her up, moving around? Not by myself, I'm not. But the water can't do it by itself. You are waiting on God to do for you what he wants to do in you and through you. The power of the Holy Spirit, it's still you doing it. It's still you doing it. But you've got a power and a strength you don't have naturally. Last thing he said is, and that you would keep me from evil. Put, put 1 Chronicles 4.10 back up there because I, I, I want to shout out one thing right quick. And I'm winding down for all you that's worried about getting to lunch. Winding down. That wasn't my first closing. That's just winding down. I get three closings. He said, just, just keep me. I know what my mama said. I know everybody said I'll just be pain and grief and trouble and affliction. But God wants you to touch me. You, you keep me. You keep me from evil. You That I will not be grieved. And I won't grieve other people. You say, but you don't know how many times I've prayed. Listen to me, listen to me. I want everybody to read the very last line. Not First Chronicles, the last line of the scripture. Out loud, as loud as you can. Come on, like you're at a football game. Come on, like you're at your child's graduation. You thought they'd never make it, but they did. Come on. And God, come on, I need you to get loud over here. And God granted him that which he requested. And God granted that which Jabez asked for. And God granted him what he prayed for. God listened to him. God was waiting on him. And God answered him. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. First closing. 
I want you to, I, 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 you got to grab something this morning that you've never grabbed. Because I know right now some of you is in a warfare. Some of you want to have hope, but you've hoped before. You've been disappointed so many times. You've had so many hands laid on you, so much oil poured over you like a grease pig. You fell in the floor so many times, you, you lay better than you walk. Come on, somebody. But I'm telling you, don't listen to the lie of the devil. The reason that warfare is there is because God's word's getting bigger in you than all of your past. In 2 Kings chapter 20, there was a king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Everybody say Hezekiah. Glory to God. And the prophet Isaiah. Everybody say the prophet of God. I got to get down for a minute. I hope y'all can follow me. And the prophet of God. The prophet. Come on, everybody say the prophet. The prophet walked in his room one day. The prophet. And said, thus saith God. Hezekiah had learned to trust the prophet. This prophet is the one that saw God in all of his glory. And got touched by the fire of God. And he walks in and he says, Hezekiah, thus saith God. Get your house in order. You're going to die. The prophet said it. The prophet said it. That sealed it. It's over. God said you're going to die. You're going to die. But you need to read the story. Because as soon as Isaiah left, the Bible says Hezekiah turned his face against the wall and started weeping. And he began to cry out to God and say, wait a minute, God, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's what you've always said. Here's what you've always done. You promised me, God, and I hadn't seen it yet. And the Bible says Isaiah was almost to the gate. He was in the courtyard about to leave. He had delivered his message. He had done, he could have died for telling the king you're going to die. He made it. He was safe. He was glad. And suddenly the word of the Lord came back to Isaiah and said, up, up, up. I need you to go back in there and say thus saith the Lord I've heard your cry Isaiah Hezekiah I'm going to add 15 more years to your life listen to me I don't care what the prophet said I don't even care what the word says listen listen, listen. No, you know me you know me I'm your papa see the devil will give you scripture he quoted scripture to Jesus but I'm telling you God will hear your cry there comes a time I can't understand it God God gave gave Jabez what he requested God gave Hezekiah what he asked for do you understand do you understand what I'm saying Jesus didn't argue with the devil he just said let me tell you another verse of scripture I've had another prophecy. I know what you're prophesying, but I'm telling you, I've had another prophecy from God. I've got another promise from God. I'm going to hold on to that promise. I'm going to call on the God of Israel. I'm believing this is my day. This is my hour. I will be changed. Abraham's getting old. He's getting old. And he wants a, a wife for his son, Isaac. So he sends his servant a thousand miles away to his homeland. And the servant doesn't even know God personally. He just, he just knows Abraham. You read this in the book of Genesis chapter 24. Write it down. Don't take a preacher's word for it. Write it down and read it. Genesis 24. He gets to this homeland. And the servant says, I'm going to call on the God of Abraham, my Lord. And listen to what he does. He says, God. 
I need to make sure I get the right wife for Isaac. So here's what I'm going to tell you, God. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The first woman that comes out and I ask for water, and she offers me water and offers to water my camel. See, because tradition said the woman had to give a man water, but she didn't have to do anything else after that. He said, but the woman that offers to water my camels, that'll be the one you've chosen. God didn't tell him what to ask for. The Holy Spirit didn't come on him and tell him what to ask for. He didn't even know God. But he was desperate for the destiny of God. And he said, God, if if this is how I'll know, the woman that does this is well known. And the Bible says, and God answered him. And the first woman that came out, come on, everybody, was was Rachel. Come on, I mean Rebecca. Come on, everybody. And Rebecca, he asked her. He said, I need a drink of water. She said, Okay, I'll give you water, and I will water your camels. God answered his request. Second closing. Stand to your feet. Look at me, everybody. I don't know why. I've never preached this message in my life. Never. Never preached anything like this before. In fact, sometimes we preachers even get stuck in tradition. I would have argued with you over this message Monday of this past week. But God showed it to me in the Word. You can't argue with the Word. One day Joshua was out on the battlefield with the Amalekites. He was doing what God wanted him to do. And the Bible says in Joshua chapter 10, it says, he said, okay, God, he said, I need more time. So, sun, stand still and don't you move. Moon, stand still and don't you move until I win this war. And the Bible says, And God, like never before and like never since, God hearkened to the voice of a man and the sun did not move and the moon did not move because God granted that which He requested. You need to get your you need to get your asker on right now. What has God promised you you hadn't asked for? What has somebody prophesied over you you hadn't asked for? What, what, what is the lies of the enemy robbed out of you? God wants you to get ready to ask. you got to get ready to ask. Nothing's too difficult for God. Nothing's too big for God. Come on, everybody. Nothing is impossible with God. It may be impossible with you, but it's not impossible with God. Now listen to me. Listen to me. I need you to get aggressive. The word call means get aggressive. I'm looking for some aggressive people today. Some aggressive people. You don't have to carry the psychological trauma of your past anymore. You don't have to carry the emotional abuse, the physical pain, the mental manipulation. The spiritual control. The generational curse. You do not have to carry it anymore. You do not have to carry it anymore. If you will call, God will grant. If you will call.
there say, I will not let you go till I leave here a free person. What you're asking for is not the sun and the moon to stand still, which means the earth had to stop because the sun and the moon didn't move. The earth moves, which means everything should have flew off of it. If God can do that, he can answer your puny request. There's nothing too big you're dreaming of inside of it. But you got to get your aggressive call. You got to grab hold of God and say, here it is in the Bible. You promised it. I'm not letting go till I see it. Here's what, here's what they prophesied. Here's what Pastor Greg said over me last time he was here. I'm not letting go of it till it happens. I'm not going to be that needy person. I'm not going to mark my children. I'm not going to live in my pain. I'm not naming nobody Jabez in my life. Come on. I'm only a free. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to walk in my identity so my family can walk in theirs. One day they're going to look at me and they're going to say, he's more honorable. He's the most, she's the most honorable person in her family. Musicians, I need them all up here. I need all the musicians. Come, come, come on, brother. We may need your voice here for a second. Where's the sister? Is she in here? Is she? Glory to God. Listen, listen, listen. Y'all are never out this early with pastors here, so don't you quit, quit looking. Don't you settle. She had initial blood 12 years. She was bowed over 18 years. He laid at the gate 40 years. He was blind from his mother's womb. He was dead four days and stinking in a tomb. Listen, God is here to answer the cry of your heart. He wants it more than you do because he has plans. don't fit you anymore your sad story your history doesn't fit your destiny anymore quit talking about it quit talking about it I'm telling you you need to go through your closet clean some clean some phrases out you've gotten so used to saying come on you need to take a couple of people out of your speed dial because they're the, they're the ones that always take you down the wrong road they're your fall too. Come on. Your future's greater. Your destiny is bigger than your history. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. Get down here right now. Everybody, get down here right now. Come on. Come on. I'm not asking you. Come on. Get down here. I won't be back next week. Come back. But, but just do it today. Just do it. And then tell pastor what up. You know, boy, who do you think he here? Tell me. I got tell him all about it. Tell him all about it. He probably won't never have me back. Just for you. I want to put that poem up. If y'all can put it up on the screen. It's called Limiting God. 
Sister Ruby. You asked my wife. You asked my wife. We was here a few minutes. I said, I don't see, I don't see Brother Matt and Sister Ruby. Where are they? I know. Come on, honey. So I could preach this morning. Y'all have that poem? If you got it back there. They're upstairs. I can't see. I'm sorry. I can't see. Got it? I, I can't understand what I'm fixing to say. I can't understand it. Because I know I, there's been times God didn't answer my prayer. There's been times I claimed the promise, claimed the promise, claimed the promise. It, it looked like. Now, it may have been because I was expecting him to answer it the way I wanted it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to admit to that. But I've seen, I've seen God radically change people. I've got a friend who'd been severely abused sexually, physically, to even try to tell his stories beyond understanding in a preacher's home by his own parents just he could not go to a men's restroom if somebody else was in it if somebody else walked in he walked out if he walked in somebody was in there he'd walk out he, he, was, he was so controlled he couldn't hug you And I saw a little 12-year-old girl lay hands on him one night. Just lay hands on him. 12-year-old girl. In fact, he, he would tell you the story that he got a little upset. He wanted a grown-up to pray for him. And all that prayed for him was a little 12-year-old girl. And there wasn't nothing dramatic that happened that night. But two, late, two weeks later, I walked in in a room where he was and several others. And I, I was hugging people and I got to him and I wasn't going to do it. And he just reached out and bear hugged me. And I just thought to myself, what's going on here? And he's laughing and he's free. About four or five days later, a group of us men are standing in a room. And somebody said, I got to go to the bathroom. I said, I do too. And he said, I do too. And we all walked into the bathroom together. Now, men don't do that. Women do that. But men don't do that. But see, God wanted me to say, I can't explain that to you. I'm 62. I've been preaching. September will be 45 years. I pastored 35 years. I pastored one church. Listen, listen. Now, I want you to understand. That's, that's not great of me, but I want you to understand. I pastored the same group of people 29 years. Those people can tell you I'm a very practical guy. Don't hype me up. But Tuesday morning, I knew when the Spirit of God spoke to me, God wanted to do something radical today. I don't know who. Whoever's aggressive enough to accost him and call on him. And say, God, I'm not going to let you go till I get mine. I'm not going to live this way anymore. 
I'm not going to live with insecurity and inferiority. I'm not going to live with anxiety. I'm not going to live with oppression and depression. I'm not going to live with it. I'm not going to be marked by what somebody else said I was. I'm not going to be a failure. I'm not going to be a loser. I'm not going to be a dead bat deadbeat dad or a a walk off mom. I am going to be the woman of God. I am going to be the man of God. You destined me to be. Oh child of mine speaks the still small voice. I would have filled you with my fullness, but you limited me. You once said you wanted my best at any cost, but did you mean it? Or was it a well-sounding phrase of a public prayer? I wanted to make you a whirlwind to uproot and sweep clean, but you wanted to be a nice little breeze that made everyone happy. If you want my best, you must be willing to be misunderstood and be marked as a fanatic. Much of your life has been wasted. But give me what remains. For little is much when God is in it. There's one thing I want you to remember when you leave here today, sir. And God granted that which It's almost as if God's giving you a blank check, brother. And saying, you fill it in. I trust you. I trust you. You know my destiny. You know my purposes. You know my will. Ask me for it. God granted him what he requested. What she call means to lift up your voice unashamedly, unintimidatedly I know you you can't I know you can't say out loud what God's doing in you but you can yell loud I'm calling to the God of Israel I'm calling to the God of Jacob I'm calling to the God of Jabez (laughs) oh I'm not going to give in I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give out. I'm not going to give over. I'm going to grab hold until I get what God promised me. I'm not going to leave here the same. I'm not going to walk out in here carrying the same things I walked in here carrying. Curses have to be broke in Jesus' name. Labels have to be changed in Jesus' name. Oh, marks are going to leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You'll be the mother God said you'd be. You'll be the father God said you to be. You'll be the wife that the Word of God says you'll be. You are the husband that the Word of God says you are. You are that father. You are that mother. You are that brother. You are that sister. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you, you will condemn it in Jesus' name. You will condemn it. You are more than a conqueror. 
you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. Don't quit yet. Come on, don't quit yet. I need you to get aggressive for a minute. I need you to grab hold of God in your own way. I need you to begin to speak to Him. I need you to begin to ask Him. I need you to begin to request from Him. God, listen, you know what you need more than I do. You need to begin to claim that scripture. You need to begin to claim that promise. The prodigal will come home. He will come to Himself. It may be in a pig pen. It may be in a low rent hotel room. It may be in an automobile. It may be in a in a sleeping bag in the middle of the woods. But he will come to himself. And he will come home again. We put a, th- a hedge of thorns about her. She'll run after her lovers, but she will not find them. Oh, no. She will say to herself, I had it better at home. She will come back home. She will come again. She will come back. That daughter will come. She'll come free. She'll come delivered. She'll come unoffended. She'll come forgiving. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. I'm telling you. I'm telling you there is a God. There is a God. There is a God. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Give Him your life unreservedly. Take the limits off unreservedly. Come on. Unreservedly. Give Him your strengths. Give Him your weaknesses. Give Him your past. Give Him your future. Give Him your successes. Give Him your failures. Come on. Give it all to Him. Open your life up to Him. And say, God, without limitation, I invite you in. Change me. Change me. Deliver me. Heal me. ready to sing. Get ready to sing. Are y'all ready? You got a song? Do you have a song? Glory to God. Where are you? You got a song? Glory to God. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Glory to God. You got a song ready? Come on, sing it. Come on, come on. Hang with me just a minute more. This is your moment to respond now without me talking. This is your moment to get serious with God. Every abuse, everything that's been done to you, everything that's been said about you. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, give it to him. Give it to him. to hear. You know what's in your heart. Come on, give it to him. I surrender. 
command fear to leave in Jesus' name. Leave. I, I speak to every doubt, every fear, every worry in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. you'll hear after that song is CJ's listen to me I need to tell you two things there's some idols in this room they're not money they're not possessions they're your story they're your pain even while we were singing people were wrestling in their mind I don't know how to exist without it I'm afraid how people will do. I, I don't know how to respond. That's why you need the hand of God on you. He knows how to respond. But you need to give up your story. Listen, I don't mean God can't use it one day as a story of glory. But you're not using it as a story of glory. Come on, everybody. You're using it as an excuse to stay where you are. Excuses are for losers. You'll never win giving God excuses, blaming other people. As long as you blame somebody else, you've given them control of your life. So some idols need to die when we start singing surrender. The second thing I need to tell you, you may have been a man or a woman that marked your family. I don't know if you've ever read or heard or listened to the story of Joyce Myers. She was brutally raped repeatedly by her own father for many years. Because of that, she had a lot of anger inside her life. Even as she was building her ministry, even as she was preaching the gospel, when her kids would come in in the afternoon after school, she would yell and throw things at them because she had this anger. And then she got delivered. God delivered her from that anger. Come on, everybody. But, but, her kids had grown up. So every now and then when they would do something stupid, they would blame her. And she would cry and she would ask their forgiveness and beg it and tell them she was sorry she didn't for what she did. And then one day God spoke to her and said, you're carrying shame that I've already took off of you. Now listen to me. Your family may not understand this because you got to be delivered first. Let me say that. But one day, she decided to call every one of her grown children and say, I want you to all come over, bring your families, bring your husbands, bring your wives. She cooked every one of them's favorite meal. After that favorite meal, they all went into a den, a living room. She sat them all down. And she went all the way through her 
spill. I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I yelled. I'm sorry I was angry. I'm sorry I threw things. I, you know, that I, that I was not a good mother in this respect. Everybody's crying. And then she wipes her eyes and she says, now listen to me. I'm not, I'm not repenting anymore for something I've already repented for. It's under the blood of Jesus. And listen to me. This is what she told her grown kids. If I could be brutally raped by my father all those years and I could get healed, you can get healed of my anger and me throwing a few things. Come on, somebody. Help me. Look at somebody and say, you need to get healed. Come on, you need to get healed. You need to get healed. You need to get delivered. Get ready, brother. Father, I pray over every man, every woman watching by YouTube, watching by Facebook, every husband, every wife, every mother, every father, every son, every daughter. Every victim in this room, every victimizer in this room, God, I just begin to speak the brooding breath of God. Deliverance is coming. Freedom is coming. Transformation is coming from the inside out. Body, soul, and spirit. Trauma is being healed. Manipulation is being broken. Control is being removed. Pain is going in Jesus' name. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We give it to you now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Give it to him while we sing this song.